Toku Secrets is a podcast run by the Anime Secrets website. Check us out at AnimeSecrets.org for more anime, video game, tokusatsu content. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Hey everybody, it's Jason from Orange Time Force, and you're watching Toku Secrets Podcast. Tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Toku Secrets Podcast, presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I'm your host, Nathan Desaa, and today we are continuing our G-Ranger series. Uh, we're going to be reviewing episodes 17 through 22. This is a very uh, important uh, arc for G-Ranger. Uh we're going to be talking about the debut of Buride, the Dragon Ranger, and we have the whole crew on here again. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Yeah, Pat Chinkinrid. Hey, Ridwan Gokai right here. And it's Anthony Davis, also known as Kiryu Green. All right, uh, so uh, we usually, uh, usually we, this is a section where we talk about uh what happened in G-Ranger last time, but uh, uh, we don't really have anything because the last G-Ranger podcast, at least in chronological order, uh, there was it was nothing but a bunch of fillers, and I regret that I didn't put that at the beginning of our first G-Ranger podcast. I'm regretting a lot of things about this G-Ranger series, honestly, now, because it's becoming a lot more trouble than <laughs> I think we bargained for. But, but anyway... Uh, Instead of uh, talking about what happened last time, uh, it's um, very important to, uh, before we start talking about this story arc, it's very important to talk about the lasting impact that this one story arc happens. So uh, most people know, obviously, if we talk about the uh, Green with Evil equivalent, that was obviously big because, you know, it introduced the fan favorite Ranger Tommy, R.I.P. Jason David Frank. We still love you, man. And, uh, you know, uh, but in the case of this, it also had a lasting impact because even though this wasn't the first, uh, Sentai to introduce, uh, um, mainstay additional rangers, it was the first to introduce a sixth ranger as a mainstay hero. Now, rangers have been introduced before, uh, you know, like in Jaka, they had big one, they started off with four and then big one came their white ranger and then in live man they started off with three and then the uh, black and green rangers came in uh but it was never um a sixth ranger as a mainstay uh, now there were two prototype sixth rangers uh in both bioman and mask man um uh, Ma uh bioman had a black warrior called the magne warrior and um Mask Man had a Green Ranger called X-1 Mask. Uh, they only appeared in one episode each, though. And I'm pretty... I don't know about Bioman, but I do know at least uh, in Mask Man's case, uh, he lost his powers, so that's why he can't appear anymore. Uh, and so this is the first time that we have a mainstay Sixth Ranger, and it has now become a staple of franchise, because to this um, since G-Ranger... There is only one Sentai that has not featured a sixth hero of some sort. That is uh, the 1999 uh, Sentai Go-Go 5 um, from 1999, which 
was adapted into Lightspeed Rescue. I do know that Power Rangers version, you know, they had the Titanium Ranger, but he did not exist in uh, for Sentai. And uh, even some Sentais that don't uh, technically have a sixth hero still do of some sort. Like in Car Ranger, they had the Signal Man, the, uh, the Blue Centurion, who I think... I think he's good enough to be a sixth ranger. Plus, he's a funny character. So, um, and then I don't care what anybody says. I think the Black Knight in Gingaman is the sixth ranger. Like he basically is. So, um, but yeah, wouldn't the Phantom Ranger also count as Turbo's sixth ranger? Uh, he's. I don't even. VRV Master. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no, know. VR VRV Master was only in about three episodes and he did nothing they don't even and he's even debatable as a ranger in general like in sentai like i know that he's i don't think he ever got a ranger he didn't that's what i thought yeah i mean but even if you take the phantom ranger out of the picture i mean i think signal man is a close enough for a six ranger and car ranger Mm mm-hmm but uh, anyway, uh, we are going to uh, now get into uh, this arc. We're going to go over each episode. Um, I'll give the basics. Uh, we're dealing with six episodes here, you know, all of which were adapted into the Green with Evil uh, five-part miniseries. So we start off with episode 17, the sixth hero. Um, so this is, you know, featuring the debut of Burai. So, uh, do you guys remember uh, these uh, brief characters from an early episode, the Pudgy Pig episode? Uh, remember that guy, Gnome? Wait, you don't? Well, too bad. He's still a main character in this episode. Um, do I have to remember another kid, really? Dang it. Gnome wasn't a kid, but still. Um, it's still a forgettable character. Uh, it's close yeah. enough. He's a Gnome. <laughs> okay, that was a good one. <laughs> Um, so, apparently Gnome has a grandson named Ryota, who is also, you know, of, is also a Gnome himself. Uh, he, so most of this episode is that he apparently wants to, uh, awaken this invincible warrior named Burai, but unfortunately Barza and Gnome don't want him to, uh, to free Burai. So, it's revealed, uh... Um, Ryota reveals to Geki and Mei that Burai was another warrior who trained himself in the forest. He lived with gnomes. Uh, you know, he supposedly became a friend with Ryota. And when the Rangers went into stasis, Burai also requested to be put into stasis. And he can only be reawakened on the anniversary of the day he was put into stasis. Um, and... Most of the episode is Ryota trying to go into the cave where Burai was um, in order to uh, free him. And uh, Urza and Gnome uh, are basically just going commando. Like, they <laughs> they get all these guns and grenades and start trying to stop uh, Ryota. Basically trying to kill him. It's stupid. Why? <laughs> Why the why so why so and, much? <laughs> it's like is that really necessary? I mean, that's kind of overkill, but that's just me. And and there's a huge struggle. Uh, you know, Bondora's forces get in the middle of it, they distract the other G Rangers, and 
Uh, Ryuta enters the cave. Burai gets reawakened. Uh, Burai announces himself the prince of Geki's Yamato tribe. He rejects Ryota. He literally pushes him away. And then he transforms into Dragon Ranger. And uh, pretty much the rest of the episode plays out exactly how the Power Rangers episode does. Uh, he spends a couple of minutes uh, wailing on the G-Rangers. Absolutely uh, just walking right through them. That's what ends the episode. Um, just a brief thing before we get into the discussion here. Uh, Burai is... Uh, I, this happens a lot more frequently than I think um, than I think a lot of people know, but but it's the first time that we're addressing an issue like this uh, on the Toka Secrets podcast. Uh, Burai is a Sentai Ranger who was played by an actor who was another Sentai Ranger, uh, Shiro Izumi. Was previously uh, Yuma Ozo Ozora, a Change Pegasus, the Blue Ranger of Dengeki Sentai Change Man. Really a <laughs> great character. I, I prefer him much better in as Burai. I say this as someone who's seen Change Man all the way through. Um, he's had a couple of other roles, like he played a samurai in an episode of Kaku Ranger. He was a Forest Ranger and O Ranger. So he, this guy's been a round the block in Sentai as many characters. Uh, yeah, just uh, just wanted to bring that up. Uh, so I just spent a little bit of time talking. Anybody want to bring, anyone want to say what they think of this first debut episode? Go ahead, anybody? Uh, um, it's, it's a little bit cartoonish with the whole where did they get the military <laughs> equipment from again? <laughs> ancient must wizard. Have been watching an ancient, or something. You know, an ancient wizard in a forest gnome attack a kid with military equipment. Th this is a Sentai we're watching, and right? Maybe <laughs> you have to kill Ryota. I mean, this is one of those episodes that literally could just be resolved. Just tell Ryota a couple of words. Don't revive Burai. He's evil. That's five words. And, and that's all that you need to and that's all that you need to say and then the whole issue would be resolved. It could have all been avoided. Yeah, like there, there was a thing. Yeah, there's a more common sense way to approach this, but the show doesn't and, do common sense. And honestly like I mean and no, now some people say well we wouldn't have the story arc if they did that. Well, I don't necessarily think so. What you could have done is that you could have a gnome tell his grandson, hey, Burai is evil and you shouldn't revive him. And then Ryuta rejects him and says, no, he's not evil. Like, I mean, he did all these nice things and we had all these great times together and they show all these flashbacks. And then, you know, he denies it and then he runs off and then he revives Burai anyway. So, I mean, simply. You know, then you could focus a little bit more on the drama instead of all this stupid kill the kid nonsense. It would be a much more serviceable episode. At the, at the risk of validating Patrick further and increasing his ego further, <laughs> this would have required the writing right. team to actually know how to write characters. They don't. <laughs> and th no, this they is don't. one case where <laughs> so, the like yeah. the Power Rangers debut episode is so much better. I'm gonna be honest. Like it, 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 it was, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, yeah, because okay. Lincoln Carl shut up about, about how great the how great the Green Ranger arc is. Well, okay, here's the thing. At the end of episode one of Greenwood Evil and Mighty Morphin, back as a kid and even now, you can feel the threat fact the, the threat of uh Tommy as the Green Ranger. Like mm-hmm. he's not somebody we trifled with. You you kind of feel like, oh crap, what's gonna happen now? Like, how well, can they possibly beat this guy who kicked him out their own dang Megazord? But Barai, while he is a threat, I don't feel the threat, you know? Like, it's not as, it's not as well done, in my opinion. I think that's because up until this point, I have no reason to care about any character except for maybe uh, Mai, but that's only because Mai is adorable. Because I guess you feel that um, they didn't really invest in the characters as well as they did in Mighty Morphin. Yeah, sure, Mighty Morphin, the characters are kind of like, you know, straightforward, and they're not really well-developed either. But the difference between that Mighty Morphin and Zoo Ranger, we know who the Power Rangers are. As people, we see how they live their lives, what they do for, you know, school, friends, all that stuff. With Zoo also, Ranger, we don't know much about them, and then we 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 try to get to know them. Guess what? We're having to deal with somebody else, somebody else, uh, daily. Whether another kid or like just somebody else that 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 is not focusing on the character aspect of the of what it's supposed to be about. Because honestly, we don't care about the kids. We care about we care about the Rangers. Well, we should care I, about the Rangers. I'm sorry. I also think it it helped in the Mighty Morphin version that. We got to see a little bit of Tommy before he got corrupted, so we kind of became a little bit familiar with him. We don't mm-hmm. know anything about Bry before he comes out of the his chamber, right. which, and this just led to this thought: the, the, this Bry should have waited until the second episode before he mm-hmm. made his appearance in this arc. Give us like a whole episode of maybe like have more flashbacks of him from like the kids angle because he was like, well, he did all this good stuff. And then maybe have like Barza's uh, point of view from it where it shows him being more devious and everything. So it kind of leads. You could have him at the very end, but like have him end the episode with him like pushing Ryota down and rejecting him. End it there. Like that would have been fine. Yeah. And it's not a... No, go ahead, Patrick. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Feels like... It's, like if, it's just that there wasn't enough build-up It's not up only to that, him, but like, the Power Rangers guy. episode... Okay, the Green with Evil arc has a lot of problems, but I think the first episode is perfect. Like, we meet this new kid. He's able to go head-to-head with Jason in mm. martial arts, which is a huge deal because the show has established that Jason is the best fighter. And that inspires Rita to brainwash him and make her own Power Ranger. Now, sure, there's the plot hole of where she got the Power Coin from, but in all fairness, it was never established where Zordon got the Power Coins either, so we can we can look past that. Um, you know, he's able to use the Power Coin to enter the Command Center. He completely wrecks it. Then he goes and he beats the Rangers into submission, and it's now, oh, man, like, oh, no, we have an evil Power Ranger that has destroyed the Command Center, and he can beat us, and we don't even have Zordon to 
know, help us out here, which, yeah, that's probably another reason why I like the Power Rangers episode so much. The fact that Tommy is able to enter the command center, which was seen as like an impenetrable before then. It's just so like the Green Ranger destroying the command center is one of the most chilling scenes in all of Mighty Morphin. Like, I just, that, that's another reason why, because, I mean, hey, Bur Burai never infiltrates the G-Rangers base, so. You know, it's funny nope. you mention, it's funny that you bring up the whole, we don't know where Rita got the green power that's coin another We don't know where like... Burai got his dragon coin either. <laughs> and yeah. We, I, I, there's a, there's an idea that I think would have been cool to build off of this, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, when but we a get spoiler alert, there, guys. Uh, I mean, I'm willing to forgive that they don't explain where the, where he got his power, where he got his powers from in this episode. Because, to be fair, Sentai tends to do that, where someone just shows up and they all of a sudden have ninja powers. But then we get the, then we get the very next episode that explains how they did it. Like perfect example, Shinkinger. Just shows up and he just has the ability to transform, but we learn how he gets mm -hmm. the ability to transform in the very next episode, so it's fine. But we don't learn how Burai gets his powers at all, not even in the next episode. So it's kind of bad. I mean, it's kind of weird because the temple where they awakened the five OG Zero Ranger. There's not a there's not a component for Dragon Ranger to come out of like why why is it only those five that have a shrine in that like, temple or whatever? Say doing? that the gnomes had their own tribe that they created their own guardian beast or something, and that's where Burai's powers come from. Okay, maybe that will Yeah, well, I'll <clears throat> I mean that was actually kind of along the lines of the idea that I wanted because skipping ahead to the next episode where it's revealed that he was uh he's Geki's brother um you could say that after their father was killed the king was killed he was he ran away from home and ended up in an exiled king an exiled sixth kingdom that had their own guardian beast and coin but it wasn't a part of you know, it, he wasn't paired up with the other guardian beasts due to whatever reason. So they saw eye to eye and they chose Bri to be their guardian and they put him to rest as paid to get vengeance on the other kingdoms for freezing their champions or something. You know, it's sad that 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 we came up with something is easy as that, but the writers yeah. <laughs> couldn't even think of something that simple. Like, I literally well, I... just improvised that <laughs> whole thing right now, and it's already a better idea than what we actually got. <laughs> That's sad. That's really sad. It's not hard to do, though. It's no, it's not. Idea. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's, like, stuff you can do. You know, it takes a bit of time to do the writing behind it all, but brainstorming, I feel like it's not into the world difficult. Before you know? we give no. our overall thoughts on this and move on to the next one, uh, uh, and this is going to be a short discussion because I think we all know how we feel about this. What do, how do we feel? What do we think of the Dragon Ranger suit? The very first Sixth Ranger suit, I should add. What do we all think about that? 
It's my favorite individual ranger yeah. outfit in all of Super Sentai. Same. Hands down. It's still badass to this day. Yeah. I really yeah, wish that really well. some six ranger suits mm-hmm. would still do it. Like the last time they did it was with King Ranger. I just love how they're really making a big deal on how awesome he is by like adding the dragon ar- dragon armor. Because I don't know. I wish that I wish that six ranger suits would sometimes still occasionally do that. Just add like a shield or some chest armor. Like that. That's probably the best part of it. I mean, the G ranger suits themselves are mm-hmm. already really awesome so getting one that has like some additional armor is really cool well also the other thing to talk about before we move on does anyone else get bothered by the fact that Barai's guardian beast is a dragon but it's been kind of at the very least hinted that the guardian beasts are derived from previous inhabitants of the planet Earth. Like, does this mean dragons existed on this Earth? Or, like, like, what's going on here? See, you see, here's how we can make this work. You remember how we were talking about the idea of the kingdom that he ran off to being a kingdom of gnomes that was banished? Well, what are they? Mystical. Dragons are sort of seen as mystical creatures depending on what country you ask sort of seen as dude dragons are mystical no no yeah. question about yeah. it Get so out of it would make sense of. so it makes sense for a kingdom of magical elves to have a more mystical creature as their guardian beast yeah and this writer yeah, I mean, of this sentai hire me toy i mean he gave us the <laughs> same and the same problem does exist in Mighty Morphin, I'll give it that. But mm-hmm. I also yeah, don't Yeah, because Mighty Morphin never Mighty explicitly Morphin, says like that I they're all here. based on dinosaurs. Like, but in the case of the Georanger, they... Yeah. I mean, they think, I mean, Dora kind of says dinosaurs, but I mean, like... The dinosaurs are also not, like, the driving force of their... Hours, while in Georanger, they're from prehistoric times, and it's literally called Dinosaur Sentai. So, it kind of is a little bit of a bigger deal here, here than it is in Power Rangers. Or the di- But anyway, uh, I want to give this first episode, I can't remember uh, what I gave it in my original notes, but I'm going to give this one a 2 out of 10. It, it, it's really bad. Everybody else? I'd probably say I'd probably say a six, just because I think, even though this episode is a little bit stupid most of the time, I do think his his introduction yeah. is just iconic. So I, I I'm give gonna it a go six. A, I'm gonna go at a five because you can keep your two and eight. I don't mind. I'm just saying that for me to give something lower than saying. a four requires me to be angry. Like, like well, I'm not angry. Any... I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> this isn't Don. This isn't Gekka Ranger. This is a decent attempt at Sentai. This writer is still better than this writer is still better than Gekka Ranger. Writer, because he at least gave us Kaku Ranger later on, and Kaku Ranger is a half decent Sentai. So. Right, but like, I'm just saying, 
this is at least a half decent attempt at Sentai, whereas Geki Ranger. The only reason I'm not giving it a zero is not because that final battle is still pretty cool. And Geki Ranger? No, 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 no. The, the, in, in this episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's your score, Anthony? I'm also going to give it a five as well. It would have been it would have been higher, but like that whole scene with freaking gnome and and Barza just going full commando on on old boy as is it was just too much. Can I give you guys a very funny visual before we move on? What if we switched the plots from the two shows and Bulk and Skull are being chased down the street by Alpha and Zordon in a tank? <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be <laughs> Yeah, with their theme song after them alpha. <laughs> I on the way, Zodan. Here's a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Alpha Skull trips and then Bogus like, get up, lump head and run, you idiot! It's just alpha lobbing grenades. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that image just popped up when we were discussing this, and I had to share it with you guys. <laughs> I don't even question how your brain works anymore. That's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it would be stupid, but it'd be funny. It would probably be a lot yeah, more I'd rather watch than that. Than <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on to episode 18, The Hate-Filled Brother Sword. Uh, this continues uh, that the arc, you know, we learn uh, we learn about Burai's backstory in this episode. Um, uh, apparently, Burai is Geki's older brother. Barza uh, reveals that. Uh, and believe it or not, apparently Geki is not uh, a you know part of the Yamato tribe by birth. He was actually adopted as a baby from. A family when Burai was eight. So, I mean, did, obviously the series has now forgotten that Geki had an older sister that was mentioned in the previous episodes. Either he that or exist. <laughs> did that, or I it, guess it took maybe, out, out, out of the uh, out of the story, uh, they're like, oh, I seem they just forgot about her. <laughs> yeah. Um. And. A little bit after that, uh, Burai and Geki's true father, uh, who's never named, but uh, he staged a rebellion against the Yamato king, and he was killed and defeated in battle. Um, and in his dying breath, he told Burai to avenge him and take his place as the rightful ruler of the world. The backstory is a little complicated, and we'll talk about that later when we're discussing this episode. Uh, Burai vowed revenge and spent the rest of his life training in the forest among gnomes so that he could get revenge on the Yamato king that killed his father. And now that the Yamato king is dead, he wants to, he's directing his vengeance at, uh, on Geki since, you know, Geki's his father. I mean, you know, his son, sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of a fun fact that is obviously a coincidence, but it's absolutely insane. The flashback scenes, uh, when we see Burai as a kid, Burai is portrayed by the actor Hisashi Sakai. And the reason why that is a big deal is because in the very next Sentai Die Ranger, he will go on to play Ko, Kiba Ranger. 
Kiba Ranger is the suit that was used for the uh, White Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And who is the White Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Tommy, who is also the Green Ranger, who is um, who is a Dragon Ranger. So this this one actor has played two different, both of Tommy's counterparts to some extent. You know, when you had said that, I'm reminded of that one scene from the uh, Incredibles. You know the one. It was the one where, like, uh, Mr. Incredible finds that the giant computer. He's scanning through all the uh, the cease yeah. heroes and whatnot. Spoiler. So, small spoiler for people who haven't seen the Incredibles. Sorry. Uh, but the, the, there's a certain piece of music that plays in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is you know what I'm talking music. about. I know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's that very dramatic music. It, it feels like it fits here when he's discussing about this. <laughs> You need, that, you, need that, you need that picture of uh, that guy with the 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 noteboard with all, everything taped together like a conspiracy noteboard and just put Nate's head in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> On a side note for Anthony, uh, yeah, I know you just gave spoilers for The Incredibles, but if you haven't seen The Incredibles at this point, what is wrong with you? It's an amazing movie. Yeah, like This movie's been out for like, uh, like two decades now. Come on now. Y'all need to see the movies. <laughs> Anyway, um, we'll talk about The Incredibles at some point later, I guess. Uh, um, <laughs> so, the rest of the episode after we learn about the past... Um, well, okay, first of all, um, a little bit of a fun fact here. Uh, apparently, the footage of Geki and Burai's father's battling, uh, they actually used that footage. Uh, they used it in a VR Troopers episode in Season 2. They were talking about a sword. Like, <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't. What? I don't know the whole story behind it because I've never. I haven't watched much of VR Troopers, especially season two. But yeah, they apparently took that footage and used it in VR Troopers. So yeah, what? What didn't VR Troopers take footage from? <laughs> uh, the rest of the episode um, is you know all about um, so. After we learn all about the story, uh, Burai is sent to a pocket dimension from Bondora to get his own weapon. Bondora brings up how the G-Rangers have the legendary weapons, which it's weird that she mentions that because here's a spoiler alert here. The G-Rangers never use their legendary weapons until the very end when Geki uses his Ryu Gekikin. So kind of weird for Bondora to mention that, but whatever. Uh... Burai goes to this pocket dimension, and he goes, uh, and, you know, he has this huge battle where he gets the Sword of Hellfreed, and confronts Geki, who is now determined to make amends with his brother, and it plays out where uh, uh, Burai walks through the other four G-Rangers, Geki refuses to transform and won't fight him, and Burai is ready to kill Geki, but then Daijujin shows up and says that he needs to kill Burai, which is kind of... I mean, we're going to go into more details about it in our next podcast, but Daijuchin's motivation makes absolutely no sense, given a plot revelation that we're going to get in the next podcast, <laughs> but we're, we'll talk about that in that podcast. Um, and episode ends with uh, Bondora revealing that she has a plan to kill Daijujin in ten and a half days. Um, Burai is supposed to play a huge role in that. Um, what do we think of this episode? 
guys. Uh, I just spoke for a little bit. Anybody? Uh, anybody want to give their? Uh, hey, I, I have I have several things I wanted to say. All right, go with it. Um, why? And I, I, I say this again. Why did Borai and Geki's brother? I mean, Geki's father. I mean, why do you rebel? What was the what was what was the reason? What was the reason? <laughs> what Anthony, was the reason? Anthony, to quote a very sage student of our great and lord, uh, lordly savior Zordon. That was the Almighty uh, Gose. I knew you were. There's a very simple explanation for that. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> as soon as you opened your mouth, Riz, I knew exactly where you were going with that. <laughs> And then there's also the question of um. I need to be well, less predictable, I guess. Yeah. And then whatever I mean, happened, to, happened to Gnome's like grandson? Like he was literally the guy who started all this, but yet he's yeah, not. Yeah, no, we never. See, yeah, no, we never see him for the rest of the series. <laughs> it's almost as if he was only there to free Burai and then disappear. <laughs> it's implied that he died. Imagine that. So, he is Burai. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> You can't prove it that they're not the same person. You've never seen the same room, have you? Yeah, Burai's backstory makes it absolutely like they try to make sense of it in a later episode, but like I don't know, they make this needlessly complicated. Like you could just say that, uh, you know, at the you could just have a throwaway line that just says that Geki that their father was a re- a rebellious jerk and. He tried to do, you know, he committed crimes and Geki was adopted as punishment and then the and then their father tried to go through with the rebellion anyway or something like that. Like just give one throwaway line that just says that their father was a rebellious knight. Something and that would have made everything fun. Yeah. And like and if and what makes it confusing is that like it almost seemed like like Ge- Geki's father didn't want to give his son up, give his son up to adopt to be adopted, and it's like if you didn't want him to be, be taken in, why did you give him up? Like it, it makes no sense. Guy, yeah, especially to the guy that you very clearly had issues with, because it doesn't seem like Geki was any older in the flashbacks from when he was given to the. The king, and when he rebelled, and neither did Burai look older. Right. So, like, what happened? <laughs> what, what happened? happened? <clears throat> like, or you could just say that, like, I mean, okay, first of all, Burai wanting to like rule the world, like that's just that's just making his motivations needlessly complicated. Like, just go with the revenge plot, and that's fine. But like, if you want to go with the ruler world domination plot, then just say that. That that Geki and Burai's father had world domination goals, and he had Geki adopted as part of that. But then that plan failed. So then he said, "Okay, screw it. I'm going to kill the king and just take over myself." Like, I mean, you could just throw in like a simple line there. You don't have to show it. Just give a line of dialogue, and everything is fine. Yeah. Because you're making these so complicated, so it's like. It kind of just shows that because because without a backstory, it's about why Geki was adopted. It just kind of makes the king just go like, um, "I'm gonna adopt your kid, and uh, you can't stop me." Because uh, so screw you and give me your kid. Bye. Or you can make it like a betrayal of trust thing, <clears throat> like 
will the king would agree to do this to help your people if you give us one of your kids and like that's a little bit morbid but you know sure if it means helping a bunch of other people and then the king didn't follow through on what he promised which led to the rebellion like which again still makes yeah he's our father aka the king a prick so exactly. it doesn't really it has it has neither way it doesn't help his character but that would be something it still gets the point across. Yeah, but... I'm not disagree with you. I'm just I'm just pointing out yeah. that yeah, like that would have been great. It just it's, it, but it wouldn't help Geki's uh, Geki's doctor father out though. Like I'm sitting here not even trying. I'm coming up with better stuff than this. <laughs> right again, it's not hard when they give zero craps. Yeah, exactly. Like a fourth. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I think so because these episodes are recorded out of order for us. That took a secret. I think I talked about it in the next episode yeah. we recorded or post the Bariah stuff about the kids, right? I, I think they were so focused on trying to appeal to the kids again that they forgot how to write stories. It's not hard. I mean, I I don't like to I don't like to brag too much but i've written some half decent power rangers related stuff and i'm currently trying to do my own like little reversion of megaforce so yeah coming up with stories is not that difficult guys <laughs> as long as you just know what to work with like again i don't like to brag too much but yeah but uh now i do want to give this episode i, I do want to clarify that i don't think the power rangers episode is as it is the previous one because, like, I mean, so first of all, how does read like read? They don't give a good back. Like, they have to have the sword of darkness all of a sudden be tied to Tom to read a spell on Tommy, which makes no sense. What's Tommy's test to get the sword of darkness? Oh, let's have him do the exact same thing that did to prove that he was worthy of the Green Ranger powers. You know, let's have him fight some putties unmorphed. And and like gold unmorphed. That would have proved that would prove he actually was able able to the, hold his get own. One of the monster suits that you that you can use because they had like a handful of monster suits that they could use in original footage. Just have them on like I think you got Okay, maybe not the pudgy pig suit, because that pudgy pig isn't intimidating enough. But, like, I think they had the Snizzard suit for original footage. So, just have him battle someone like Snizzard or something like that. Unmorphed. Showing that he can beat a monster by himself is good enough. Um, and then they have Jason seek Tommy out. Just so Tommy can trap Goldar and, you know, Jason in Dark Dimension. And... Of course, Jason is only there so that they can use that in order to like keep Jason absent. And then we have the whole big battle with uh, with between Tommy and those other Rangers, where all of a sudden, okay, again here it makes sense because Daijujin has the ability to like show up by himself. While in the Power Rangers episode, they have to summon their Zords. So I guess now because Zack is in charge, he and Zordon and Jason aren't there. Zack is all like, screw the rules, let's escalate the battle. And then they sh they summon the Megazord. Then they, they right. summon the Megazord. 
Hey, you only do it once, so hey. They summon the Megazord. They hold on this shot of the Megazord moving its arms, which in G-Ranger it was Daijujin talking, but hey, the Megazord can't talk, so it makes no sense. Like, could you at least just throw a line over it? Like, Zach's saying, like, all right, Green Ranger, we're going to shut you down, or something like that. Like, just some basic line, and I don't know. I, I don't like... Tama could have said, no way! line <laughs> in part five. We'll get to that later, though. So, I think that, I think this one is better than the Power Rangers episode, but it doesn't mean that it's not amazing. Like, we're not about to get, like, we're this arc is going to get good. Don't get me wrong, but we're not at the good part yet. Anybody else want to say anything else about it? Sir Patrick? Nah. I think we've covered it pretty well. Yeah. I'm going to give I this one a say five. This episode. It's not as bad as the previous one, but it's just meh. Yeah, same here. This continues to trend to five for me. And Anthony? I'm, only, I'm going to give it a 4.5. You don't know why? Because of the backstory. It still made no sense to me, and I'm still pissed about it. Yeah, can't blame you for that. Uh, back. What story? The back. The back. The Lorai backstory. Um. Okay. A brief thing before we move on. Uh, just a note. Um. So Burai is a main character, and he will always be. But uh, he is actually not given his spot in the opening credits. Uh, Shiro Izumi is only lightly credited as a supporting character because uh, I think I said this in our um, history of Super Sentai uh, series. Um. Six Rangers don't appear in the credits uh, in their own slot until Gal Ranger. Um, so believe it or not, when we do Turbo, when we watch uh, Time Ranger next, we're not going to see Time Fire in credits. They would they would occasionally lightly credit, like in Mega Ranger, they show Mega Silver riding his motorcycle, but we don't see the Mega Silver guy get credited. And in Time Ranger's case, we're going to see uh, Time Fire perform his uh, finishing move. We don't see Time Fire himself. I I don't like that. I feel like you're disrespecting the best character in this Sentai, but you're going to do. I mean, this Sentai doesn't really have much respect for anything great, so that's that. Um, anyway, we got episode 19, Female Warrior Scorpion. This episode, even though it's technically part of the arc, is more of a regular episode. Like, Burai only appears, like, Burai doesn't really do much in this episode, but... Um, so, uh, do you guys remember those dinosaur eggs that we saw a couple of episodes? Oh, wait, you found those annoying? Well, too bad. They're back. Um, so, dinosaur eggs reappear, and it's revealed that they were found by two brothers um, in the chest. Uh, it, you know, uh, two brothers get in the chest that they fell away with. And, uh, and Lami, who is uh, Griforzer's wife, uh, she was sent by Bandora to track them. Lami is Scorpina's counterpart, so... Yeah, here's a big thing, guys. Uh, in this version, Goldar and Scorpina are married, and as much as I have issues with G-Ranger, I love that, and I, I, I don't know why they didn't have Goldar and Scorpina get, be married in Power Rangers, because that's fun, in my opinion, and they, re and they really try to give the villains a little bit more of a... 
you know, humorous or like human edge to them in at least, you know, during the Rita and Zed era. So why can't you have Goldar and Scorpina get married? You have Rita and Zed get married later on, so why can't you do that? At, at least they wrote a story for some character in Zero Yeah, you're Razor. right. There was some effort. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not a whole lot, but it's something. You know what? Look, they're at this they're point, cute. I will take you know, for a humanoid scorpion warrior and a guy in a griffin like suit, they're they're cute. I mean, yeah, they're they're not a bad couple. They seem pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um. But anyway. Uh. So Lamy has been tracking the dinosaur eggs, uh, and she was, um, and she actually agreed to work for Bondora in exchange for giving her husband the ability to speak. Because I think I have established this: like Riforzer cannot talk, um, cannot talk this, thus far. But uh, Bondora agrees to give Griforzer the ability to speak. Um, this episode ends with uh, Bondora capturing one of the brothers that found the dinosaur eggs and demands that the Jew Rangers give him to her in exchange for the dinosaur eggs. And um, the Jew Rangers try to get, get the exchange, and they do save the brother, but the dinosaur eggs fall into the hands of Bondora. And then she announces that in three days' time, she will bring about the end of Dijujin. How do we know? How do we know? How she'll bring the death of Dijujin? Well, we'll find out in the next episode. Um, yeah, this episode is just... Um, I like the dynamic between Lamy and Graforzer, but the rest of this episode just feels like a normal episode that's just there for setup. And it's not bad, but it's not really amazing either. Yeah, Lamy's introduction, Lamy's introduction in this arc in hindsight feels really out of place. Because it doesn't really go along with what was going on the first two episodes. You just kind of... It's like almost like a a filler, not really filler episode mm -hmm. slapped in the middle of the story arc. So, I, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. Again, I mean, the, the one thing that saves it is Lamy and Graforzer's relationship. And I don't know if it's in this episode or the next, but there's a real funny episode where the mm. minute that Graforzer uh, gets the ability to speak, he's saying like, I think Lamy needs to spend more time in the kitchen and not battle. And then Bondora is all like, uh, I'm a woman too when I pay your bills, so shut up. <laughs> that, that's, that's the part I was going to mention. That's I really, it, I was like, taking your voice yeah. back. <laughs> like, yeah, you might want to shut up now. I, I, take his voice back, guys. I don't think he needs it because he's going to keep saying dumb Not stuff like this all the time. Like, Power Rangers episode either. Although, I do want to say it, it's kind of... It, I, I was watching Miss Star's Fusion, Miss Star Fusion's video. One of the big things about... Uh, so, I don't know if many people noticed, but... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the guy who does his voice, uh, the guy who voices Goldar, um, but in the, he, throughout the first season of Mighty Morphin, like the first couple of episodes, he always had like a different type of, you know, 
he was always kind of altering how he would do Goldar's voice, but it's in the Green with Evil story arc that he finally sets on like the, um, you know, I got away. We are going to destroy the Power Rangers. You are powerless to defeat me. Like the thing. And it's funny how this, how the same story arc where Griforzer gets the ability to speak is the story arc also where we finally get Goldar's iconic voice that's going to stick for the rest of the show. That's kind of a coincident we just had another coincidence with uh you know the actor who played young burr eyes so yeah that's kind of insane well it mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense to me that this happened to goldar only because like i said at some point in some podcast somewhere that Mighty Morphin mm -hmm. is the first draft of how to write a Power Ranger story. So they're trying to find their voice. They're trying to find their footing. So it makes sense to me that, you know, they'd be trying to work on splicing Sentai footage and American footage and making it as seamless as possible to pass in the 90s for kids to watch on TV. It would make sense to me that they're trying to figure out how to make your villains feel because Mighty Morphin came out right at the beginning of the satanic soccer mom um, protest of like, oh no, our kids can't possibly watch this. It has Satan in it. So it makes sense from that point of view that his voice would be kind of in flux in the beginning because they're trying to find a way to appease the, yeah. the satanic panic while writing a story and making a new, a new concept happen. Because prior to this, I think anytime they brought Toku mm -hmm. over from Japan, they just dubbed it. They didn't do anything beyond that. Uh, also, the voice actor for... Uh... Goldar is uh, Kerrigan yeah. Aha. Um, I might have butchered that name, but, but I'm sorry. Uh, but... I, nothing really to talk about with this episode because we're about to get into the big stuff. Like We're about to get into the meat of the story arc in the next episode. But nothing about this that really annoys me. And I'm actually going to give this a six just because the one thing that kind of elevates it a little bit is the Lamy and Graforzer stuff. Yeah, five. I'm going to give it a 5, too. And I'm going to end this by saying that uh, I appreciate the Power Rangers audio drama for having Goldor and Scorpina married. I've, I've finished the Power Rangers audio drama, well, at least season one, uh, a little bit before we recorded this. And it's amazing. I look forward to that review when we're done with G-Ranger. I think we already established that when we recorded this pod. Spoiler yeah. for Patrick. Sorry, Patrick. Um, but anyway, now we're going to move on to the big stuff, uh, yeah. you know, where, you know, where things get, you know, where stuff gets wild. Uh, episode 20, Dijujin's last day. So, um, so at the beginning of this giant Graforzer, he captures a bus full of children and 
Um, the bus is being threatened to be toppled off a cliff where it will kill all the children inside, but it'll also crush the dinosaur eggs at the very bottom. So basically mo the first half is all of Bondora's forces trying to bait the G-Rangers into summoning Daijujin. And at the same time, Barza reveals that Daijujin is powered by an energy from the Earth's greenery and sun called Gaiatron. And that will be significantly reduced when the solar when a solar eclipse that's supposed to happen begins. So yeah, that's what Bondora plans to do in order to kill Daijujin. But unfortunately, uh, in the end, when the but when the children and eggs are at stake, the Jew Rangers, after spending most of the time hesitating, summon Daijujin and they catch the bus just in time before it hits the ground. Um, there's a huge battle. Now in the middle of the battle, um, Top Pad and Bookback try to um, make off with the dinosaur eggs, and Barza stops them. But then the dinosaur eggs um, get lost again, and they get washed away in a nearby river. Uh, meanwhile, and if you've seen the Power Rangers episode, you kind of know, you know what happens. Um, Daijujin is weakened by the solar eclipse, and uh, he battles against Giant Graforzer, uh, he, um Giant Lami, Lami takes on this uh, monstrous scorpion form whenever she grows. She'll grow pretty frequently in the show. Uh, and then they try to escape, but then Burai shows up, also giant. And fortunately, because Geki hesitates to fight his brother, Daijujin gets overpowered and can't escape. And Guardian Beast are sent sinking away into a crevice. And the, the you know, the, so... Yeah, Daijujin has been killed, and the episode ends with Geki realizing that his hesitation to fight Burai has led G-Rangers to their worst defeat, and cries out in desperation, and I'll let everybody else talk first, but first I just want to say, we are getting to the good stuff, folks. Now the story arc is starting to get pretty good. Uh, anybody else want to um, give their overall thoughts first? About time. <laughs> uh, I like. I, I kind of like how Bandor actually had a solid plan and it worked. Like it's 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 a little bit more in depth for what the season usually offers, but she planned this out pretty thoroughly. But yeah, it's like they put all their eggs in this one basket. Yeah, I'm I'm just more confused as uh, the thing I'm just now thinking of is she kind of wanted Bri for this plan. I don't know how she even knew about him in the first place. Well, that requires us to understand <laughs> the lore of these six individuals. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think only Barza really knows anything about it. Yeah, because like, there, there was no Dragon know. Ranger when they were fighting her back in their time period, and then he was frozen after she was already sealed. <laughs> so, I, yeah, this is a uh, super powerful episode. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What, like, uh, first of all, like, I mean, the G Rangers hesitate to call the uh, like. So in both versions, the G Ranger, um, you know, the Rangers hesitate to call their Zords, but in G Ranger, it makes sense because they know what's coming, which makes it all the more powerful when they do summon it and you know the 
seeing the Zords get destroyed is great. And this arc is starting to find its footing because it's now, you know, the first three episodes, it was very unfocused. But now it's starting to say, let's focus on Geki's dilemma with Burai. And voila, they do that because, you know, if Geki had not hesitated to fight back against Burai, Daijujin could have escaped before it exploded. And he's realized that now his hesitation to fight Burai has has led the Jew Rangers to their most devastating defeat. Like, it's all really powerful stuff. And I'm not going to say that the Power Rangers episode is not without its own merits. Um, like, first of all, I like how they replace these random children in a bus with Bulk and Skull. It's, I mean, I know that we laugh at Bulk and Skull, but having them be the people who are under threat is still pretty cool. Well, it's more meaningful. Like, we know Bulk and Skull. We know who they are, and whether you admit it or not, you have <clears throat> an investment. There was in always Bulk a line Skull. in that in the you Power Rangers really episode that kid. always made me laugh when I was a kid, where the bus is about to tumble, and then Bulk is all like, "I want my mommy," and then Skull says, "Yeah, I want your mommy." <laughs> like <laughs> he always says. Yeah, that line has a bit more disturbing implications now than I'm an adult, but... Oh. <laughs> um, but the problem with the Power Rangers episode... So, first of all, there's two problems. One is that Tommy goes back into the command center, but he doesn't part the consoles again. And from a story perspective, it's because, well, you only have one more episode, so you can't have Billy go back and fix everything again in one episode. But can we get an in-universe perspective on why he doesn't just rip everything apart again and secondly why do the rangers hesitate to call their swords in that and you know people say well they don't have the sentai footage to do that they do you can have footage of rita talking to the jew rangers while they're morphed and use that as you know, Rita just saying a generic line like, Power Rangers, when you summon your Zords next, that will be the destruction of your Megazord. And, like, I don't know. It's still powerful. They they do a good job at recreating the shots of seeing the Rangers watch as their Zords sink away. But it's a lot more powerful in Geo Ranger because they knew what was coming and they still fought back anyway. I think it also helps, and this is some one of the few things I do think Zoo Ranger does pretty well, is that it's established pretty early on that Daijujin isn't your typical mech, even by modern Sentai standards, because he's in, he's basically God in this Sentai. So it means that he has a much greater importance to the overall plot, and they do make it feel like that he is vital to the Zoo Ranger's success. So when he gets supposedly killed here... Yeah. It isn't like, oh, crap, we just lost our robots. No, we, they basically just watched God die. <laughs> that's, 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 it's got a lot of weight behind it when you look at it that way. It's like the equivalent in Lord of the Rings when they see Gandalf fall or in Harry Potter when Dumbledore dies. Like, it's a lot more, it has a lot more meaning to it than you might think at first sight. Mm hmm. And. Only problem I have with this episode is that they have to bring those stupid dinosaur eggs back. Th those kids being trapped in the yeah. bus, tumbling down, that is fine enough as it is. 
You don't have to bring those stupid dinosaur eggs back. It, it feels like it foamed them in. It foamed it in. Like, oh yeah, we have these kids. Oh no! And dinosaur eggs. Wait, what? <laughs> you already had us with the with the kids. Why did you put the? Shut up, dude. Just yeah, we're gonna make just... you like this dinosaur egg story arc, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I don't want to like it. Well, too bad. <laughs> too bad. But that's the only flaw I can really think of in this episode. Like everything else is just like super power is really powerful. Yeah. Like yeah, I agree with that as well. I mean, the, the only thing that could have been done a little bit better, and it's not something about this one episode, but I think it's just the fatigue of it's always kids that they have to save. If it was like a group of civilians. Adults, kids, whatever. I'd kind of prefer that. And that's a little nitpick to me, but... It's just like they're going back to a try and true thing that they know works for their Sentai. Well, Yeah, I agree with you on that. You're just regurgitating the biggest complaint everybody has with Zoo Ranger. So, no, you're not... It's not a nitpick. (laughs) It's a valid complaint. The fact. (laughs) Yeah, but this is where Burai's story arc, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, this is where Burai's story arc uh, starts to kind of get a little bit better than Green with Evil story arc. Um, and I'm going to give this episode a 9.5. The only reason I'm taking off half a point is because the stupid dinosaur eggs don't have to be there, but it's not enough to ruin the episode. So I'm sticking no. with a 9.5. Eh, I'll say 8. I'll say, I'm going to go with an 8. What'd you say, Anthony, for your score? Oh, I was going to eight as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just... I don't agree with you that this is better than Mighty Morphin. Like, even in the context of the Green with Evil arc? Yeah. We can discuss that more at the end, but I just feel like it... The Power Rangers episode, at least for this one, is just incredibly repetitive, because, like... Tommy gets back into the command center like he already did, and I mean, all he does is just kind of devastate, and all he does is just like do a little, like, first, again, why doesn't he rip the consoles apart again? And not only that, but the episode ends with Zordon revealing to them that Tommy is the Green Ranger, which I feel like is a huge cop out because I felt like. You feel like they're going to go the route of them finding out that Tommy is the Green Ranger themselves. So, I don't know, like, I just, the episode feels repetitive with Tommy getting back into the command center, there's no explanation for why the rangers hesitate to summon their zords, and Zordon revealing them, revealing to them that Tommy is the green ranger just feels like a deus ex machina type of thing. I, I understand your point on Zordon revealing Tommy, like, I can see that being a problem for you, hmm. but honestly... Zordon can very easily know that he kind of transcends the conventional norms of what he can know and what he can find out. Now, I'm fine with Zordon already knowing who Tommy is. I'm fine with that. I get what you're saying. I don't like how he reveals to the Rangers instead of... Like, uh, uh, give a better example of how this is found out. In Dino Thunder... 
Tommy finds out that Trent is the White Ranger first when Tommy when Trent transforms and then attacks Tommy. But before Tommy can reveal who the White Ranger is, Trent freezes him in that amber. And but then Connor, Kira, and Ethan find out who Trent is by themselves before Tommy gets unfrozen. So couldn't the Rangers find out who Tommy is before they get back in contact with Zordon? I, you know, you get what I'm trying to say. I get it. I just think that's such a, that's an incredible nitpick in the grand scheme of storytelling here, um, because it's it's already been said once in the beginning that Tommy can enter the command center because he has a power coin. So it makes sense that he goes in the first time. He does the stuff to disable everything. He leaves. Rita and him notice at some point in the future. Oh, look, they're starting to rebuild the command center. Let's go mess with them again to make sure that they don't come back because we're not ready for them to be back at full power yet. But then why didn't he rip the command center apart like he did before? I think there was the... Didn't he get called away by Rita? Oh, like he he rips like a power... He ripped part of Alpha off, which, like, he took, re- like, Alpha's power supply out, which shut Alpha down. I mean, he had, like, a good amount of time where all he does is just, like, screw around with the controls. Time that could have been used to rip the consoles apart. Yeah, I mean, that would have been repetitive, so they didn't do that again. Wouldn't that have been more effective for them to do to screw with the Power Rangers? It, it would have been, but I think your fear, your complaint about it being repetitive, if you had done it a second time verbatim what he did the first time, it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. I guess. I... But, but my thing is, like, I don't see what you see in Z-Ranger that makes it so great. <clears throat> I think I can sum it up like this because I think you're both right. In it, I think it's a matter of if you single the story arc out, I think Zoo Rangers might be better because I think the plot of it is more uh, intense. But if you look at it in the grand scope of both seasons, because Zoo Ranger is so underdeveloped, the Mighty Morphin one just has a little bit more of a, an emotional impact. Because the Psycho Ranger arc and its Sentai counterpart, the Nezu Ranger arc, are literally beat for beat the same story. But the Psycho Ranger arc to me is just better because of what happens before and after it. Yeah. And in space, it's just much better written than in Mega Ranger. Yeah, so, and I mean, I think that's why I'm going to favor Greenwood Evil. Yeah. Is while I... um. Let me see how to word this. While you're probably right, Nathan, that technically this is a better written piece of story, it doesn't fit with what we've had prior to this in the last 19 episodes. Because why do we really care about anyone except for the villains here? They make me like the villains more than the real, like the real heroes of the thing. 
I can understand that. Like, it's like what Patrick said. Like, I think Patrick yeah. kind of uh, it perfectly. Like, if you look at this and, yeah. you know, without looking at the context of the rest of G-Ranger, I think it's powerful by itself. But the problem is, is that. But, so I can understand what you're saying, that you care more about these Mighty Morphin characters. Because I do, too. I do. But I just think that g-range like the the writing if we remove all the context from all the bad writing that's come before it the writing is just a little bit better here now i will say while i am defending mighty morphin and the characters i have a much closer relationship to i do have my complaints with some things that happen in greenwood evil with the Mighty Morphin cast, and things I wish the actors had done better. Um, for example, I can't pinpoint exactly what it is, but Austin St. John, in the second part, was it the second part where he's with Goldar, or the it, third he's part? He's in both part two and three. Okay. So while he's with Goldar... He's not He's not portraying the emotion I would expect from the guy who's the leader of the Power Rangers, the the might the martial arts master. He's he's kind of two dimensional in his acting in this part, but later on it improves again. But for that little bit in the middle, it didn't really do a lot for me. And the recent watch I did. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think we covered that a little bit like, in uh, the Morphin review before we started on Ranger. Dude, I honestly don't remember where I said what anymore because we were recording this for the second time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I just think that there are things that could have improved with Mighty Morphin. I agree with you on that. But I still think, end of the day, I'd care more about these guys and their story than what's going on here. Like, I don't really even care about Daizuzin or anything, I, really. You know, Jujin's like. He's not somebody you should be caring about because he's a jerk. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree that the Mighty Morphin characters are better as people. I'm, and at no point am I going to say that in this G-Ranger series. It's... Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to uh, the uh, the sixth, ep- uh, fifth episode here. Sorry. Um, did you want to say anything else, Riz? Or... No, no. I'm no. going to stick with my eight and move on. Um, so we have the Guardian Beasts Great Riot, where... At the beginning of this episode, Bri um, has a falling out with Bondora, who, uh, who, you know, since you know that they, they've helped each other take out Daijujin, so now they don't have to work together anymore. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, he tries to he tries to kill Bondora, but it doesn't work. And then he gets led to his pocket dimension by a mysterious spirit. We're gonna find out his name later, and it is revealed in the. Um, the and um to by the spirit that in the pocket dimension burai has this green candle 
And the green candle is preserved as life energy for him. Uh, and as long as he stays in this pocket dimension, which is called the Timeless Room, he will be fine. But while, but every time he goes out into the real world, the candle will slowly burn away. And once the candle is burned out, Rai will die. Um, so very similar to the Green Candle story arc, except, you know, it's starting a little bit earlier. Uh, so, and we're not going to find out until the next podcast under what circumstances why this is. But, you know, this is, uh, this is how it is for Burai. Burai is given his own legendary weapon. Y'all know what it is. Uh, it's called the Dragon Dagger in Power Rangers, but in this case, it's a flute-like dagger called Jusokin. Jusokin gives him the ability to travel freely between the Timeless Room and the real world. And when he starts playing it like a flute, it allows him to summon his own guardian beast, Dragon Caesar. Now we, we all love that. Very iconic mech. So Burai is still determined to get revenge on Geki, so he arrives in the real world, and he summons Dragon Caesar and lets it loose on the city, where it starts wreaking havoc and, you know, destroying the city. Geki, um, Geki and the other Jew Rangers arrive, and it's here that Geki realizes that Burai is harming people, and... And ultimately, you know, since Geki is the warrior of justice, I'm not making that up because he literally calls himself that in the next podcast. Um, he says he'll no longer hesitate to fight and he will defeat Burai in the name of justice. And then the episode ends with uh, with Bondora unleashing a giant Reforzer and Lamy to fight uh, Dragon Caesar. A little bit of a fun fact here. This is actually the 800th episode of Super Sentai. Overall, um, it wasn't counted as such at the time since um, I think I told I, I said this in our history of Super Sentai. Uh, Go Ranger and Jaka were not recognized as part of the franchise at the time that this Sentai was airing. But with, in retrospect, it like it became the 800th episode. So what do we think of this episode? Anybody want to get started first, Patrick or anybody else? Go ahead. I like Dragon Caesar. He's a he's a very obvious Godzilla reference because he, how he rises out of the water. Um, but it it feels like it's just more so set up for the finale because there's not much to this. Um, and in hindsight, I don't know why Clotho, because that's his name. Spoiler alert: is introduced. And the candles introduced right now. Because this is starting a completely different story arc before this one's even finished. And I don't like that. It just makes things a little bit messy right here. Well, not only does it make it messy, but there's a spoiler I'm about to say. But basically, nothing happens to the story point again for like... Yeah. I would say seven, eight episodes at least. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Why mention it here? Yeah. It it could have happened later. Like it would have made a lot more like, sense later. Yeah. Like I don't mind him maybe popping up and dropping the drat the Zuzoskin on him, saying that this is your actual legendary weapon and that's your actual guardian beast, 
and then they let the story arc play out from here and then the candle gets introduced immediately after this story arc ends to kind of tip things into the next the next chapter of his story but this is just like tripping into a new story arc in this current story arc. i don't know i, I don't like the approach it makes Clotho look like kind of a dick, too, because it's like, so, uh, Burai, uh, you can't go out into the real world and do anything, but I got some good news for you. Here's a new weapon and a guardian beast. Do whatever you want. Oh, you can't go out into the real world, but here's a weapon that allows you to go out into the real world. And here's a guardian beast that you can use to cause damage in the real world. Now, don't go doing that, mister. Well, it's more like... Do what you will, you're a grown-ass adult, so figure out what you want to do yourself. But why would you give him that after you told him he can't go into the real world? That's what I'm saying. Like, like give him the dagger and Dragon Caesar before you introduce the Timeless Room and the Green Candle. Like, I don't know. It's, it's timing. Especially because... He went to kill Bandora. Bandora knocked him to Earth, and he just instantly gets drugged into the Timeless Room by Clotho with no break in between. Like, slow down. You have a lot of episodes after this to establish Clotho and everything. You don't have to go right into it. Now, here's a question I had. Did Was Barai burning his life before under Bandora, or is it only after he started to betray Bandora? You mean the candle? I'm assuming it was working ever since he got freed. Yeah. But they they never so established... How much he, time yeah, I don't know. They never even, like, acknowledged that. But um, Because, logically speaking... He should have lost a couple of days. I think we would say ten, because... The vi- I, I can't remember if it's the first or second episode, but Bondora says Daijujin will die in ten days. So I think this whole story arc has gone over the course of 10 days. Yeah, well, that'll explain why he had so little time left when the uh, the candle was actually introduced. Yeah. Because the candle already looks like it's been burned down yeah. a little bit and when we see it in the timeless room. So uh, we can probably assume that maybe he was given, like, I don't know, maybe two weeks. And then, like, maybe... And then, like, you know, maybe... Mm-hmm. 10 days and maybe some change burned away and now he only has a little bit more time left. Yes, so why did Clotho just now reach out to him? I, he also could have done something cool where maybe Clotho talked to him earlier in the story arc and tried to tell him about the candles. Like, hey, if you leave this room, this candle's gonna do him out and Bride just thinks he's bullcrapping him. And then after a while, I was like, oh crap, the candle is going down. Shoot. Or have Clotho be a recurring character who's constantly warning Burai that his life is in danger. Yeah, like have him hovering over him, or screaming like, at him from the nether realm. Hey, stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been more powerful to have Clotho appear in Bandora's castle and kind of be a recurring character in Bandora's group that... On the side, it's trying to help Bri, but Bri is not yeah, like, having it because he's like Bandora a spirit is. that, like, whenever Bri's doing something, he just kind of like appears behind him and warns him about stuff, and Bri tells him to shut up. Yeah, 
then you know you could now you could still have Clotho appear in this episode, but just uh, you know, but and this would have worked a lot better if uh, Clotho was a recurring character. Like Clotho shows up, and then Beria is like, "Oh no, it's you!" And then like Clotho is all like, "Hey, here's your Juicekin," you know, and then he gets it before he's shown the timeless room. Yeah. I can't remember what I gave this when we originally uh, did this podcast, but I don't know. Hearing what you guys have to say has kind of left a much bad, t- worse taste in my mouth about this episode, so I'm going to give this a five. Yeah, same here. It's it's a, li- it's a little bit of a shallow episode on top of everything else. Yeah. Well, and that's the weird part. It's shallow, but it's bringing up such a critical storyline that goes on for like the yeah, next... I know. I don't know. 15, it's, it's actually please. kind of impressive that they managed to pull that off. <laughs> Are you surprised, though? No, I'm not. Yeah, I can still laugh at it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Anthony dropped due to technical difficulties. Uh, I'm assuming that he'll just give it a five or something. But, uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the final episode of this arc. Uh, combined, go Ryujin. So, uh, we, uh, so early on, um, you know, so Urza calls out to the Guardian Beasts, and the Guardian Beasts emerge. Um, it's revealed that the magma that was in the ground that they sunk in was a massive source of Gaiatron, which they used to heal heal itself. I, okay. To be fair, the Power Rangers episode is also very convenient. Alpha restores Zordon, then Zordon revives the Zords himself. Maybe the Power Rangers version feels a little bit more earned than this, but the revival of the Guardian Beasts does not feel earned here. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel earned, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt that Gaiatron is was established to be an energy of the Earth. So I guess it would make sense that it would be inside the Earth. Mm-hmm. So, sure, <laughs> I'll I'll at least let this convenience slide because I can accept it. A G Ranger does the good thing where we see the G Rangers all running toward their guardian beast and like calling mm-hmm. out for it. I really wish that like we saw the Power Rangers be like, Zords, they're back. You know, just something like that. But. Whatever. Uh, so, Graforza and Lamy retreat, and the next, uh, you know, huge part of this is that we get a huge battle where, um, so in Power Rangers, we, you know, they have the Rangers defeat the Dragon Zord with the Megazord, and then it moves on to Jason and uh, Tommy's one on one battle. But here, it's, you know, they're both done at the same time. The Tyrannosaurus battles against Dragon Caesar. While Geki confronts Burai, you know, they have their big fight, and the fight between Geki and Burai is pretty cool. They actually start off untransformed, and then they transform. Uh, they both, and you know how the episode plays out if it's if you've seen the Power Rangers episode. Uh, again, Caesar gets overpowered. Um, Jujin shows up, um, although in this case, he's parading independently as opposed to Power Rangers, where they're technically controlling the Megazord, but Ijujin beats Dragon Caesar into submission, 
Geki gets the upper hand, and Daijujin orders Geki to kill Burai for his evil deeds, which again is <laughs> going to make something that happens mm-hmm. in the next podcast make so little sense, but Patrick and I already went on a rant about that <laughs> when we recorded that podcast, so... Yeah. Look forward to it next time. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That frustrates me a lot more now that I've seen those episodes and we're re-recording this. The more I think about it, like, yeah. but, uh, Eki refuses to kill Burai. Um, he won't kill his own brother, and says that, hey, if killing me is going to cleanse the hatred in your heart, go ahead and kill me. And Burai, um, the and Burai, he's the error of his ways, and he his te- he starts crying. His tears melt the Hellfreed sword, and Daijujin declares that the evil in his heart is gone. So the G Rangers, uh, you know, they all transform, and with Burai having joined, they celebrate with some epic posing. Um, Daijujin reveals that dragons. We get a little bit of a toy commercial now where Daijujin reveals that Dragon Caesar can combine with the mammoth Triceratops and Sabertooth Tiger to form a Ryujin. Um, and Emberai returns to his pocket dimension. He doesn't reveal what happened to him. The Gene Rangers are, you know, really confused. Uh, we also learn that the spirit's name is Clotho, the spirit of life, and he only has like a little bit of time left. Uh, and yeah, that's how this uh, story arc ends. Uh, so what did we think of this episode, guys? So I'm going to use a word that I don't, I don't use normally. I'm just whelmed. I'm not underwhelmed, and I'm not <laughs> overwhelmed. It just kind of existed, you know? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I used to say that this was my favorite Sixth Ranger introduction arc but revisiting it for this re-recording and it, so it's all, we obviously all agreed in the King Oger podcast that Spider Kumonos' arc kind of you know put this over but honestly I don't even know if I would say that this is the best arc the more I think about it like really I think Boken Silver's story arc is a lot better and honestly I think you guys will be even more impressed by Timefire's story arc v- very similar to how Eric debuts but I think you guys yeah. I think you can probably agree Riz that Eric's debut is pretty cool right? Eric's debut is one of the best ones in the franchise for PR and then you'll probably then you'll probably enjoy Timefire's debut so like I don't know the thing here is is this too there's just too many things I don't like the big one is something that Mighty Morphin does a little bit better. And that's while they accept Tommy as being one of them again. It's not an immediate, oh, we love you, you're amazing. There, there is a little bit of friction between Jason and Tommy later on, which kind of breeds this idea of you know, they have to struggle to get to work together and learn how to redo team dynamics. But spoilers for the next podcast, it's already recorded, but Brian Geki don't really get that. And it 
it just seems too convenient that they're like, oh, Dyson says you're not evil anymore. I will automatically reprogram my entire person to not think about you as being evil. I will trust you 100%. You have no reason to have lost my trust. I don't, I don't like that. That would have, that would have required them writing internal conflicts. Right. <laughs> now let's all just trans. Now let's all just transform and pose for no reason, and then we'll have a little bit of a toy commercial at the end. <laughs> you know, and, and it's you know, see, and it's funny that you say that, Riz, because in Mighty Morphin, it would make more sense for them to openly accept. And they did open. Arms they kind of did, you know, but yeah, they kind of did, yeah, but. There was more. There was a little bit more conflict there than here, where it would have made more sense for there to be. Right, because we had the internal conflict between him and Kim almost throughout the five-parter, like on a personal level. You you had that kind of build up, so it it makes more sense to me that Kim would forgive Tommy because Kim had seen Tommy before he turned evil when he was evil and after he was turned back to good. So Kim can kind of validate and verify that, yeah, this is Tommy. I can trust him. And Jason, I think, does trust him in the beginning, but there's still that internal conflict of how do you work together? Because they're both alpha dogs, right? Like, they're, they both want to be leader. But here, Bri doesn't, he doesn't really do anything after this point. Like, we don't even see how he interacts with the other Zoo Rangers. It's just him and Geki's relationship, and Bri's relationship with everyone else is just non-existent. I mean, I know, I know it would have been a cliché since she's the only girl on the team, but I don't know, you could have done like something with burr eye and i'll be honest i can never see may having a romance with any of the other main four g rangers because the g rangers that the main five all come off as a family like they feel more like a family than any romance could happen but i don't know you could have like a bit of a romance story with burr eye and a burr eye and may i mean well again that requires the writers to be able to write I know. I can't do that. But, but okay, so that's one complaint I had, was the entire how quick they accept um, everything. My other one, it's not really it's not really a problem for this set of episodes, but I just want to harken back to what Patrick said about Clotho and how soon this all happened. This didn't have happened right here. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Like, one minute they're all celebrating together, next minute Bri is gone, and like it, it could have been draw, it could have been drawn out more. Yeah, because we didn't get any moments of them just being a. Team. They're never a team. Like, no. And because they introduced Clotho so early, it really does feel like Bri doesn't belong. No, he here. doesn't. It, going forward he he's just there to save the day maybe and 
I know we're getting into a lot of the next podcast with this one, with the curse of re-recording, but I just don't think this episode was great. It was just poorly written to me. A lot of things that could have been done better. And then here's the stupid question. I understand that we have a new formation involving four of the six rangers. And I understand that Tyrannosaur can do his own thing on the side to fight. Where the heck did the pterodactyl go in all this? <laughs> yeah, that... I know. I like how they go to that shot of Go Ryujin and Tyrannosaurus is in the background, like, roaring. But the pterodactyl is just, like, up in the top corner of the screen, spinning in circles. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, what they should have done to make another toy... They should have had Pterodactyl and Tyrannosaur merge and give the T-Rex some wings and let him fly. You could have just had the Pterodon be part of Go Ryujin. I mean, it's kind of like uh, the combination in uh, the next one. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, the Mega Tiger Zord in Season 2. I can't remember what it was called in Die Ranger, uh, where... Um, the tigers or the one tiger can combine with all the key beasts except reds. If that makes sense. Not sure how they wouldn't. How they would bring in the pterodactyl. Like maybe you could have the pterodactyl be like a shield or something. But I mean, it's something. I mean, do something with it. Like talking about Mighty Morphin more. Like the Ultras already. Even you don't see pterodactyl on there. I mean, in the Ultra Resort, it's part of Daijujin. Oh, yeah, you're so. right. Um, no, you're right. That's that's true. That's my bad. Um, but no, what the heck does Pterodactyl do? Like, where does Kimberly and May go? Does does Kim? She's one of the, she's. It's one of those pesky women, Max. We don't need it. I hate it. By the way, that met, that met combination was called Kiba Dio. Now I just looked it okay. up. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess looking back at it in hindsight, like now, I'm not gonna say that I like that. I all of a sudden like Green with Evil, um, you know, a whole lot more because I still think that Green with Evil is overrated. Don't hate it. I still love Green with Evil, but I think. If I'm looking at my favorite Power Rangers arc in season one, I would still say that I prefer the green candle to green with evil. But yeah, I don't know. This story arc is honestly not as amazing as I remember it out to be. And maybe this is because we're I'm technically revisiting this for the third time. But you were saying, Riz, I still think that the writing in green with evil has problems, but the one thing I'll give you credit for, and this is ultimately what overrides everything, is that I at least care about the Mighty Morphin characters, and I want to see them succeed. Yeah, I don't care about the Geo Rangers, so I will. I will give you that a hundred percent. Yeah, like it doesn't matter that there's writing problems with Mighty Morphin. It matters that we care about them more. So that's my argument for why Greenwood Evil is the better story arc. There's still better Six Rangers yeah. story arcs in Power Rangers, like Ryan's story arc and yeah. Eric's story arc Trent. are better than Green with Evil, but... Trent is better. Yeah, you know, specifically Ryan 
yeah, specifically Ryan, yeah. because there's a lot of similarities. Honestly, even in the con- if I'm arcs. just looking at this from the context of Sentai, like obviously I would say Spider Kumonos is be- story arc is better. Like we we talked about how great that story arc is in our previous podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Patrick had to admit that that was a really great story arc. Well, um, even the audio drama did the better job of Greenwood Evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 if we're comparing this to the audio drama, then the audio drama does this does it so much better than this. Yeah. I'm not even I'm not even gonna we don't even have to have that debate. I'm like, just I'm just stating a fact. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, the only like the o- I wouldn't say that this is the worst Sentai Sixth Ranger introduction arc. I would probably have to say that uh Granted, maybe this is just because I have bias against this character. I would have to say it's King Ranger from O Ranger. No, I still. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. Don't King Ranger's. That's a pity that Anthony's not. He had to drop, general. but like, he gets captured after his debut. That's a great way to show off how great this Six Ranger is. Let's see him get kidnapped. And then my favorite aspect of King Ranger is. Mm-hmm. He just chooses when to show up. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show up unmorphed and unhinged in this episode, and then vanish when the mech fight starts. I'm only gonna show up when the mech fight starts. I'm gonna show up in costume this time, and then not when the- like just screw you, <laughs> hey King Ranger man. He's so bad. Yeah, but this may this is still not the worst um, Six Ranger arc because, like I said, I think that the Dai Jujin stuff is still very powerful but this is kind of a middle of the pack type of sixth ranger introduction like i don't know maybe i'll have maybe i'll i don't know maybe when we do bokinger and i see boken silver story arc maybe i'll say that that was the best one before before spider kumonos kind of just came in and just you know took over but yeah or maybe you guys will like maybe we could agree that like time fire story arc is better but We'll just have to see, but sure. I, I think the main. I mean, I'd, was that Patrick? I'd go. I'd go as. I'd go as far as to say, Shink and Gold had a better story arc, intro story arc than this. Because at least Gint is a fun character. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little nice to this final episode and say that like it has a great final battle and kind of try to make sense out of Burai's motivations with him like wanting to kill Geki for. You know, blaming him for all of his things. I'm not going to give it a high grade, though. I'm going to give it a 6.5 this last episode. I'll, I'll give it a 7 just because this is probably my favorite fight in Sentai. Just, like, choreography-wise. Yeah. I do love the crap out of this fight. But, and I do think... For as many issues as we have with the story arc, I do think this closes it out pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. I, I do, I, I do agree. Like, bribing forced to leave at the end because of the Clotho stuff being introduced already was really, it kind of made it end on a bizarre note. Especially after, like you said, here's the new toy, go buy it. Was <laughs> was done, uh, but yeah, I mean, it it's not the best, but I, I think it did yeah. its job just fine. Man, like, instinctually, I want to give it a five for all the things I've complained about. But 
that fight scene really was good. <laughs> Would you say it's be- it's as good as the Marvelous and Bosco fight, Riz? Hell no. Okay. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. That, that fight and the final uh, Takaru Juzo fight are, are the probably top a little bit. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Black Condor and Gray in the finale of Jetman is up there too. Hi, well, welcome to the top three. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I, I've actually blown through all of Geo Ranger uh, ahead of this recording. There's not going to be a fight in Geo Ranger that hits in the top five. Uh, no, this is the best fight in Zoo Ranger without question. Yeah, and so for that alone, I'm gonna have to give it a six point five. Okay, Jim. Yeah. Uh, I can't go there. Normally, I would say here that, you know, so we don't have to do character rankings because, you know, the, nobody did anything in this story. Easy. Except... It's easy. It's Mariah yeah. Top, May, then all the other idiots at the bottom and the, at the same rank. They're all tied. No, I think Goshi deserves to be number Okay, he didn't do anything in this arc, but I think Goshi's fine. Goshi will be moved up at a later point in time. We'll okay. get there when we get yeah. there. I don't. I don't think Goshi yeah. deserves as much hate. Um, no. No, but he hasn't done anything yet to give me any respect until the next arc. You're right. And you know we don't have to. We've already just kind of talked about how we compare this to Green with Evil, and yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe if I, I'll be honest, maybe at some point I'll. I think that I like them both fine. Maybe I think the writing in this is a little bit better, but. It, I have to give it to Riz that it doesn't matter if I don't care about these characters, which I don't. So, um, yeah, did anybody else want to give their closing thoughts before we uh, wrap up? My only closing thought is Green with Evil wins. Um, but Tommy and Briar are both really good characters. It just sucks that Briar doesn't get any love. Anything you need to say, Patrick? I've said everything I needed to say. Okay, but and that's all you'll say. Before we uh, wrap up, uh, I do want to apologize to the people who are listening. It, if it seems that there's a little bit of wind out of our sails during this podcast, we do apologize. This is something that we had to re-record due to technical difficulties. We absolutely apologize. We'll have the same energy... Not that that's a good thing because we have a lot of negative energy with the Sentai, but we'll have <laughs> uh, we'll have the same energy in the next podcast. Um, and uh, a little bit of a schedule update. Uh, oh, real quick, real quick, before we forget, I have to make my obligatory comment that this is still better than Gekka Ranger. Okay, cool. I, I didn't say anything to set you up for a rant this time, so I'm pretty proud of myself. Um... Next, Man, we, next we, almost, we almost got to the end. No, you didn't. I said something in the middle as well. I know. I, I was just hoping that we'd get to an end of a podcast one time and you forget. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so to close out the month of July, uh, we're, we're hoping to be done with Georanger by at least the beginning of August. Uh, we have two more Georanger podcasts, so We've already recorded the one that's supposed to come after this. Uh, that will be posted. Uh, then we're going to be doing two more G-Rangers where we take a look at uh, episodes, um, I believe, uh, 
33 through 42. And after that, uh, we're just going to cover all the remaining G-Ranger episodes up to the finale, which is um, 43 to um, 50. And then we're done with the Sentai, which has been a lot more trouble for us than we bargained for, <laughs> unfortunately. But I blame Patrick 100%. Oh, I blame Zoo Ranger because it comes with the territory. Yeah, he's got a point. <laughs> uh, if you want to go with that argument, I'll go with blaming Saban because that's where they adapted first. Yeah. I, uh, if it wasn't for you adapting this season into Mighty Morphin, we wouldn't even be talking about this Sentai. Screw you, Saban. We're going to be doing our... Um, I don't think we've mentioned this uh, in our other podcast, so I'm going to go ahead and mention it now. Um, we are going to be doing another King Oger podcast where we're going to be um, taking a look. Uh, the last episode we did was 12, so we're going to do 13 all the way up to the most recent episode that's aired, after which we will then uh, do kind of a weekly podcast, uh, try to do a once a week where just a 30-minute podcast on the most recent King Oger episode that's come out. So that's going to be a new format. But... Uh, after we're done with G-Ranger, we're going to be taking a look at the first two seasons of the Power Rangers audio drama, which we highly recommend, by the way. Um, kind of a spoiler alert for what we think about that podcast, but still, uh, that, that audio drama, sorry. Um, then uh, we're going to be moving on with Time Ranger, and I'm really hoping that these guys will like it so that I can give us credit. I can take the credit for us reviewing another good Sentai, but... <laughs> <laughs> Val validate me. The head writer is the same person who did Shinkinger, so it has to be good. Yeah. Yes, I know. Well, yeah, well, we we can't keep striking out. No. That said, uh, we are Vitoku Secrets Podcast. We thank you guys so much for listening to us, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes. If you are watching this on YouTube, though, we do ask uh, if you'd like, uh, you know, leave any comments down below, uh, you know, what your thoughts are. You could give us your thoughts on G-Ranger or, you know, whatever the subject matter it is that we're discussing in the podcast you're watching. Or you can uh, give us some, you know, give us some ideas on like what you want us to cover. And if, um, and if you ask us questions or anything, we will take time, a segment in our podcast to read the comments. We want to, your feedback is very much important to us because without you guys, we would not be able to do this podcast. So we'll see you guys next time when we, uh, go look at another G Ranger. And we'll also see you again when we re record our next podcast. But until that time, guys, you guys stay safe. We love you and may the power protect you.